Today is October 15th, and the world is talking about why a two-state solution in Israel will never work. You are listening to part four and the final of Is This the End of the World? propaganda machine is on full force as global leaders call for a two-state solution in Israel as a cure to this conflict. But as I'll outline below, accomplishing peace in the Middle East through a two-state solution is, and always was, a myth. It will never happen. This notion of creating a separate, sovereign, nationally recognized legal entity called Palestine within the borders of the land of Israel originates from the aftermath of what is known as the Six-Day War. This occurred between June 5th and June 10th of 1967. Israel's decisive victory included the capture of the Sinai Peninsula, Gaza Strip, West Bank, Old City of Jerusalem, and Golan Heights. The status of these territories subsequently became a major point of contention in the Arab-Israeli conflict, according to Britannica. Since 1967, the international community of global elites has been relentlessly calling for Israel to quote-unquote give back the land, including the Gaza Strip. In September 2005, then-President George W. Bush strong-armed Israel into signing an agreement that would evict nearly 9,000 Israelis from their home and force them to abandon their neighborhoods. The eviction operation to remove Israeli settlements from the Gaza Strip began on September 15th of 2005. Remember that date. Subsequently, the Egyptian government began resettling refugees in that region. Many of these families had fled to Egypt when fighting over the region began as early as 1948. Today, Gaza is densely populated with over 2 million people living on 140 square miles of a strip of land. Around half of the population is unemployed and over two-thirds rely on aid. The residents of the region live in crushing poverty. The Gaza Strip virtually has no industry and suffers from a chronic lack of water, fuel, and electricity, according to World News. Because of the power vacuum created by the withdrawal of the Israeli governance and the lack of physical and financial support from Egypt, a criminal cartel took advantage of the chaos and seized control. Hamas uses terror and military force to rule the Gaza Strip. Hamas is chiefly financed by none other than Iran, the leading state sponsor of terrorism around the world. The residents of the Gaza Strip are not legal citizens of any country and almost always lack the resources to escape. And, to add insult to injury, Hamas steals most of the resources funneled to the Gaza Strip before they can actually reach the people. So now let's compare this impoverished enclave known as Palestine with the flourishing nation of Israel. Within the past 15 years, we've seen the economic rise of Israel. Remarkably, this small Middle Eastern country has risen as a top innovator in the technology world. Despite its small domestic market, Israel has managed to build a vibrant startup scene that competes with those of much larger countries, according to the Committed Innovator podcast. Israel is also a top exporter of fresh produce and is the world leader in new technologies in agriculture. Despite the fact that Israel's land is a desert, think about that, Israeli defense exports, including air defense systems and training services, reached 
$791 million to countries such as UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan in 2021 after the Trump administration brokered trade deals with these nations. Total exports for Israel reached $11.3 billion in 2021 following the Abraham Accords. Not bad for a country the size of New Jersey. But Israel has another key export, personal and religious freedom. Although not perfect, Israel is the only country in the region where Muslims, Jews, and Christians coexist in peace. These groups work alongside each other within the Israeli government, even. When Stephen Harper, former Prime Minister of Canada from 2006 to 2015, was asked why he supported Israel, his response was, why wouldn't I support Israel? Why wouldn't I support a fellow democratic nation where open elections, free speech, and religious tolerance are the everyday norm? To say that an Israeli Muslim is the freest Muslim in the region would be an understatement, to say the least. Why wouldn't I support free, vibrant, innovative Israel? Those close to the situation in Israel understand that there is a way to peace, but it doesn't involve the so-called two-state solution. Israeli leaders and members of the international community that truly support Israel in their plight for peace often say, if the Arabs put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence. If the Jews put down their weapons today, there would be no more Israel. After the treachery we've witnessed at the hands of Hamas terrorists, many are finally understanding that this is the absolute truth. But war is ugly. Tragically, two million innocent civilians in the Gaza region are forced to flee. Unlike Hamas, the IDF has warned residents of the impending military campaign against Hamas rebels in the Gaza Strip and instructed them to head south to safety in Egypt. But there's only one problem. Egypt has closed its border to prevent entry. Ironic, isn't it? Egypt begged for their land back only to sacrifice its citizens to radicals who want only death and destruction. As one former IDF soldier put it, if the UN really wants to help the Palestinians, they will put pressure on Egypt to open their borders and accept the refugees, according to the Daily Signal. My prediction? The UN and the global elites won't do this because their interests don't align with those of Israel or the Palestinian civilians. Their agenda is for war and depopulation. It's almost as if these entities want to see a genocide of the Palestinian people so they can then blame it on Israel. So as I wrap up, there are two main reasons why a two-state solution will never work in the Middle East. Number two, Arab leadership doesn't want peace. For starters, Hamas, Hezbollah, and other Iranian proxies don't want a two-state solution. They want a final one, the total destruction of Israel. In 2021, Dennis Prager wrote an op-ed entitled, Palestinians reject their own state five times. They don't want land. They want Israel destroyed. Prager writes, in 2000, at Camp David, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak offered Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat, a Palestinian state in all of Gaza and 94% of the West Bank with East Jerusalem as its capital. But Arafat rejected the offer. In the words of U.S. President Bill Clinton, Arafat was here for 14 days and said no to everything. David Wolosik at the Whole American Catalog explains how this rejection of peace follows the pattern established in the ensuing negotiations after the 1967 Six-Day War. The 
the Arab League met in Sudan and issued their famous three no's. No peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, no negotiations with Israel. So, as David says, when someone takes a position against you, in addition to vowing to destroy you, what exactly is there to negotiate? But the number one reason why a two-state solution in Israel will never work is because God will never allow it. Now, this isn't hyperbole or science fiction. There's actually substantial evidence to show that the Lord is honoring his promise that he made in Zechariah 2, 8 through 10. For this is what the Lord Almighty says, After the Glorious One has sent me to the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. It has been well documented that each time a nation tries to divide the land of Israel to give it away to someone else, that country experiences a substantial natural disaster. Consider this. I mentioned above about the Bush administration's part in brokering Israel's quote-unquote disengagement from Gaza. Do you know what happened on August 23rd? Hurricane Katrina. The tropical cyclone that claimed 1,800 lives and ranked as the costliest natural disaster in U.S. history. William Koenig began as working as a White House correspondent in 2004. During his time there, he began to notice that every time a U.S. president would apply pressure to Israel to divide the land, something catastrophic would happen here on American soil. Koenig first published his book, Eye to Eye, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel, in 2006. He has had to expand and release his book several times to include more recent events relating to the dividing of Israel since the initial publication. The book is now 576 pages, and I'll include the link in the show notes. As I discussed in part two of this series, the final judgment known as the Battle of Armageddon involves the Lord putting nations on trial because of how they, quote unquote, scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. We see that in Joel 3, 1 through 2. In a future post, I'll discuss how America is playing a dangerous game in funding both sides of a conflict involving their most strategic ally in the Middle East, Israel. As the saying goes, with friends like the United States, who needs enemies? In conclusion, my friends, this is why we are instructed to pray for the peace of Israel. Their peace and ours depend on it. Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. Thanks for listening today. And remember to subscribe to my blog, What in the World, for future updates. And remember, of course, to always pursue the truth, no matter how inconvenient it is.